0: A roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Welcome to this edition of Global Business. I'm Jun Feng in Beijing. Coming up in the program. Regaining momentum. China's December services activity expanded at fastest pace in five months thanks to a solid rise in new business. Policy stance. U.S. Fed Fed meeting cites lower inflation risks and expresses concern about overly restrictive policy. Winter hotspots. Tourists from warmer parts of China flock into the northern ice city of Harbin like never before. China's services sector grew at its fastest pace in five months as new business activity continued to recover in December. Data from Caixin shows that the services purchasing managers' index or PMI rose to 52.9 in December from 51.5 in the previous month. Data above 50 uh, marks expansion, while a figure below 50 indicates contraction. Caixin PMI offers a snapshot of smaller and private enterprises. Business activity and new business volume both experienced substantial growth. Many companies reported an increase in consumption demand. New export orders also saw an uptick. In the meantime, services firms remain upbeat about their business activity in 2024, with a level of positive sentiment increasing to a three-month high. Meanwhile, China's Finance Minister Lan Fuan says the country will intensify its pursuit of a proactive fiscal policy. China will strengthen overall planning and stability of financial resources and make good use of multiple policy tools. He added the country will also increase government spending in an appropriate manner and improve fiscal management to further support the economy's high quality development. As we look forward to the year 2024, there's a keen interest in evaluating the prospect for China's economic resurgence. The recent Central Economic World Conference has set the tone for seeking progress while maintaining stability. But what new driving forces and opportunities are likely to emerge in 2024? Michael Lillilu spoke with Robin Sheen, Chief China Economist at Morgan Stanley.
1: What do you think are the uh, current challenges that the uh, Chinese economy is facing and what is your outlook for the economic growth in 2024?
2: Well, China is facing a combination of debt, demographic and deflation pressure. Uh, to address these issues, Beijing has stepped up its support to the Chinese economy since August, led by um, the fiscal budget expansion by RMB 1 trillion and also the launch of uh, home-eating measures, plus some central local government debt-swap program. So looking into 2024, we think underlying nominal GDP growth could improve slightly to 4.7% from a 4.2% sluggish nominal GDP growth this year. That's because we think um, inflation indicators, CPI, PPI, will likely improve with the policy support and the resilient consumption. So that's the key word for 2024, a modest recovery in nominal GDP growth.
1: So latest figures show that in the first three quarters of 2023, a final consumption expenditure accounted for more than 83% of economic growth. What does that
2: tell us? I think it shows consumption is still the most important driver of the Chinese economy. So that also means that rebalancing the economy towards consumption will still be the key step for China to grow sustainably in the next few years. So in the Central Economic Work Conference, I'm glad that uh, the government mentioned the consumption stimulus programs, including a trading program for some smart and green product, um, this type of consumption goods. We think policymakers can also increase their social welfare spending, because Chinese households still have one of the highest saving rates among major economies. So if we can reduce the precautionary saving among households with better and more coverage of social welfare, for example, for migrant workers, that could reduce the precautionary saving and unleash some consumption potential. So that's also the part we are focusing on for next year.
1: What are the measures and strategies that we can adopt to actually unleash that, you know, greater uh, potential in consumption and what you're talking about spending in social welfare?
2: Well, I think to be you know, more specific, uh, there are 220 million migrant workers. You can call them the new urban residents, but they don't have enough access to public school, health care and pension accounts. So if we increase the social welfare spending on these new urban residents, that could greatly help them to reduce their precautionary saving demand. And people can spend more because they do have the pension and healthcare coverage. Um, But of course, this means the central government need to leverage up uh, by injecting money to the social pension system. But I think that's also in line with not just the near-term cyclical stimulus, for the economy, but also in line with China's long-term common prosperity reform agenda. That's why I think that's the key policy measure.
0: Chinese Premier Li chang has called for increased efforts to foster new productive forces. During ins- inspection in central China's Hubei province, Lee called for support, promote high-quality development and get this year's economic work off to a good start. Lee also urged local enterprises to boost further development of technological innovation, green development and industrial and value chains. China has made visible achievements in those fields. According to the report by the World Intellectual Property Organization, China ranked first, in terms of number of top 100 tech company clusters in 2023. So far, there are 45 state-level advanced manufacturing clusters in the country, with an output value of more than 20 trillion yuan in 2022. China's proactive policies aimed at attracting foreign investors, particularly in the pharmaceutical sector, have yielded positive outcomes. Numerous prominent international medical companies have not only increased their investment, but also expanded their operations establishing a strong presence in the country our juju has more the
1: beijing economic technological development area located in southeast beijing is actively working towards the development of new drugs through intelligent manufacturing with the goal of surpassing 200 billion yuan or about 28 billion u.s dollars by 2025 the area aims to scale up its biopharmaceutical industry Foreign investors, including Bayer, a world-leading pharmaceutical giant, have recognized the potential offered by the zone and have expanded investments.
0: The introduction of automatic equipment in Beijing has been a major milestone for the industry. The groundbreaking machinery is capable of dissolving pills into liquid for testing purposes. It also has a remarkable packaging capacity of 400 boxes per minute, leading to a substantial increase in production efficiency.
1: Bayer's Beijing factory has implemented automation in the majority of its drug production procedures. This milestone achievement signifies a major step forward in enhancing efficiency and productivity. China's efforts to promote advancements in the medical industry have also resulted in the lowering of threshold for advanced medical equipment, including those used in Bayer's factory.
0: Our company has received valuable guidance from the Drug Regulatory Bureau of the Economic Technological Development Area. Additionally, we have been honored with funding support to further enhance the capabilities of our cutting-edge equipment.
1: In a statement issued by China State Council last year, there was a strong emphasis on intensifying efforts to attract foreign investments in the pharmaceutical sector. The statement specifically highlighted the need to streamline and improve the application process for registering drugs that are transferred from overseas production to domestic production in China.
3: The Bayer Imaging Diagnosis Project received strong support from the Yizhong government in Beijing when it was first established. This support greatly accelerated the approval process, allowing it to officially launch in September 2023.
1: In addition to Bayer, several other prominent multinational pharmaceutical companies have also established their research and development centers in China. Pfizer, the German biomedical giant, has set ambitious goals aiming to deliver 24 innovative drugs from its R&D center in China by 2025. Meanwhile, British-Swedish company AstraZeneca is pursuing over 180 ongoing R&D projects in China. Juju, CGTN, Beijing.
0: For more on the construction of modern industrial clusters, we are joined by Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Centre for International Business Ethics of CIBE, University of International Business and Economics. Thank you for joining us, Professor. China is leading the world in developing high-tech clusters. What's your view on developing high-tech through building technology company
4: clusters? In the first place, it is uh, very much in thanks to the Chinese open door policy and also with uh, uh, Chinese domestic reform. And actually, we made uh, three stages of our technological de- development through the entire process of open door and reform. Uh, first, we started with a special economic zone. And second, we uh, try to scale up with more of those uh, industrial zones along the Chinese cities. And uh, then uh, we are able to combine with the high, high talent pool, particularly in connection with uh, those uh, big uh, cities like Beijing, Wuhan, Shanghai, etc., to build up uh, such a high tech zone. So this is really a... A milestone for Chinese technological advancement. And uh, this is also uh, due to the uh, support from the uh, central and local government in attracting more of the leading firms, engaging in the uh, uh, innovation and also in the marketing process. So much is uh, has to do also with the uh, local support by building a more uh, enabling environment and uh, to uh, provide more of the cozy habitat mm. for uh, those high talents to, uh, to be able to stay with the uh, more satisfaction and also continued supply and connectivity with the rest of the world. So this is really an entire ecological system that really helped them to grow and help them to stabilize and create more of the cutting edge technologies.
0: Some clusters are far more successful and famous than others. What factors contribute to the success of a tech cluster?
4: Well, this is really a very sophisticated issue because uh, mm. uh, some local governments just, uh, you know, used a very simple measures by, okay, I offer you tax uh, deduction and they give you land concessions, and mm. my job is done. Mm. What I'm doing. Uh, Next is just to wait for collecting more of the tax. Mm. So this is a, a too naive approach. Mm. And the, by having a industrial uh, cluster with high-tech feature, uh, number one, you need compatibility. So you, you are able to uh, really to integrate more of those uh, industrial sectors that can synergize with each other. And also you need to aden- identify who are those uh, leading firms, who are those uh, auxiliary firms, and so that uh, they are able to work together and, uh, in uh, either horizontal or, or vertical integration. And then uh, more of the infrastructure is needed. It's not only I uh, give you a piece of land and you go and build a building for it. For example, actually I was leading a uh, U.S. Uh, biotech cloning farm in uh, to park in uh, in a, a sort of uh, high-tech dome. Mm. But uh, uh, those. Uh, uh, but the, in the end, we found that, okay, given all those policies, what's, what is next? So we, uh, for example, we produce a sort of hazardous material and they do not really have the facility to treat it. And then we have to pack them up and buy huge insurance to uh, ship uh, to ship it back to the United States that add a lot more cost. So we are not really happy. So the ending was not really very happy. And the other is that uh, uh, success, uh, you need really to have a sort of ex- escalation program. Normally, you do not really have all the leading technology uh, technology companies to park over there. By uh, giving them the right support, they are able to file more of the IP, they are able to hire more of the uh, top talents, and uh, they are able also to uh, have more of the logistic lines and they also need you to uh, need the management of those parks to negotiate with uh, uh, the external environment for better terms so all of this really requires more of the sophisticated efforts and also more of the consistent support so it's not really a one-time deal so that really makes a difference between failure and success of some of the parks although all the parks they may claim i'm high tech but uh, in the end, it is really the result that really make a difference.
0: Mm. What needs to be done to achieve the next stage of tech cluster development? You already said some are doing excellent jobs, others are not. What uh, happens next?
4: Well, high tech is beautiful to everybody, but uh, the uh, decision makers will have to uh, make the right assessment whether they have the capability to uh, accommodate such sort of high tech uh, uh, operation so it it doesn't mean that it fits every uh, locality uh, so some uh, the uh, area these, uh they just have a uh, abundant supply of cheaper labor so therefore they should, should continue to deal with the uh, more of the skill operation instead of going for uh, for example, the biotech cloning or uh, developing semiconductor or, or the advanced chips, et cetera. So the uh, compatibility with the local uh, resources, with the local environment, and that's something that's important. Second, the IP protection is the key because high tech means that they are really the generators of those uh, uh, new frontier technologies, and which is very fragile and how they can really deal with the IP uh, filing, with the IP protection, deal with the legislation and judicial system so that uh, those violators can be punished and then uh, the justice can be quickly returned to those uh, victims. So that's also uh, very important. Uh, Number three is that uh, uh, building high tech, uh, it doesn't mean that you all have people with PhDs, mm-hmm. with postdocs, et cetera. So you need a lot of supporting professionals uh, to uh, to really, uh, to match, so so that uh, there is a sort of integrated ecological system to be able to follow such a sort of cluster. And also to encourage competition among the participants is uh, uh, very important. Now, I noticed that some of the uh, clusters they just, you know, wanted to harmonize every uh, everyone. The harmonization is good, but uh, you can't really nullify competition among the participants. So only by more of the competition and people will be spurred to uh, uh, to go ahead in a more accelerated pace, and then to uh, to be able to uh, to maintain a uh, sort of uh, environment in which. Uh, you can really address some of the critical issues the uh, companies can really face. It's also very important, for example, how they can deal with custom clearance, with customs ins- inspection, deal, uh, deal with the, uh, uh, the quality inspection.
0: Okay, that's uh, Professor Liu Baucheng. Thank him for his uh, input on this. I really like his story about that American medical company. It's coming up next. POLICIES DENSE, U.S. FED MEETING CITES LOWER INFLATION RISKS AND EXPRESSES CONCERN ABOUT OVERLY RESTRICTIVE POLICY.
4: WHETHER IT'S ABOUT YOUR EDUCATION, THE HOME YOU LIVE IN, OR THE ITEMS YOU BUY, YOUR MONEY HAS A STORY TO TELL. BECAUSE EVERY BUSINESS STORY IS A HUMAN STORY. GLOBAL BUSINESS.
0: The U.S. Federal Reserve extensively discussed the country's monetary policy. According to the minutes of December's meeting, during the meeting, participants said they believed inflation was coming under control, but expressed concern about the economy's resilience faced with high interest rates and began talks about when to hold balance sheet or a reduction. Fed Chair Powell. Gerald Powell noticed that Central Bank was likely down raising rates and expected to begin reducing borrowing costs by the end of 2024. U.S. stocks slightly paled losses following the release of the minutes, but were still down for a second straight day, while the U.S. dollar attend, uh, added to gains against a basket of currencies. Economists said there was nothing in the minutes to uh, desolate them that the Fed would start cutting cut interest rates from this March, Onwards. Ice and snow have made the northeastern Chinese city of Harbin a popular destination for winter tourism, attracting numerous tourists from both China and abroad over the Chinese over the New Year holiday. Xin Ran has more. <laughs>
3: This might not be what you would imagine to see in freezing temperatures. Visitors from everywhere flock to the Harbin Ice and Snow World, an annual festival in the city, which includes a fun rabbit dance. It might be surprising for some, but the majority of the participants are visitors from the south, experiencing the snow for the first time. It's my first time dancing in such cold weather, but the atmosphere here is really great and I feel energized and refilled. This year, the Harbin Ice World Park took up an area of 810,000 square meters and 250,000 cubic meters of ice and snow were used to create thousands of landscapes. Located in northeast China's Heilongjiang Province, Harbin is famous for its unique culture, architecture, and also its warm hospitality. To welcome visitors, the locals have transformed their city into a sleepless carnival, flying an artificial moon across the sky. Tourists are also given the chance to sightsee in hot air balloons. Some even offered free transport with their own cars. Even animals such as tigers, penguins, and polar bears were included in the grand welcome. They're so cute and soft. I'd love to hug them if I'm allowed. The Provincial Department of Culture and Tourism says the province recorded a total of 6.7 million tourist visits during the New Year's Day holiday, an increase of over 170 percent from last year.
2: Visitors at all popular attractions, such as the Harbin Ice and Snow World, reach record highs.
3: Some have classified Harbin as another dark horse travel destination, just like the barbecue city of Zibo. There's definitely still room for tourism in the city to expand and grow, but it might not take too long, given how earnest and warm its residents are. Xin Renan, CGTN.
0: Famous for the winter landscapes, China's northeastern regions witnessed a large tourism boom during the New Year holiday, injecting vitality into related consumption. Harbin in Heilongjiang Province is one of the most popular winter tourism destinations. Harbin Airport transported 205,000 passengers in a New Year holiday, up 93 per cent on year, setting a new record high in the same period. Tujia data shows that the number of bed and breakfast bookings during the holiday increased 27 times in Harbin, 20 times in Shenyang, and 8 times in Yanbian, compared to the same period a year ago. Meanwhile, iMedia research forecasts the economy driven by the ice and snow in China will exceed 1 trillion yuan in 2025, and a compound annual growth rate will reach 18.8% from 2023 to 2025. For more on ice and snow tourism, let's bring Chen He, CIO from Novi Arcane Technologies. Thank you for joining us, He. What has made Harbin such a popular tourist
5: destination all of a sudden? Well, oh, Thank you for having me. Um, there are multiple reasons behind the popularity of Harbin in this winter. You know, just for three days of the New Year holiday, Harbin has got around 6 billion RMB for its tourism income. And something as large as this must have a lot of things supporting it. First of all, Harbin has been a famous winter tourism destination for decades. When I was a kid, which was decades ago, I have heard about the snow festival, which was held in Harbin. The city has got enough snow and has also got a large amount of hotels to accept all these tourists. You know, Harbin is a city with about 10 million people and its location is around 700 kilometers north of Beijing. So it is rich of both snow and hotels. Uh, meanwhile, the recovering of the tourism industry in last year has also contributed a lot to this sudden popularity of hiring. Uh One last thing would be the help of new media. Live streaming, short video, these kind of things. the old days where you can only share some pictures after you come back. Nowadays, people just post whatever they are playing onto the internet right away. And this attracts much more tourists to come. Good idea. So accommodation and
0: also the, the short video platforms as uh, advertising, what
5: can other tourist destinations learn from Harbin? A good question. Uh, For other tourism cities like Sanya, Dali, Xiamen, Beihai, etc. There are two very important things to learn from this recent success of Harbin. First is that opportunity can only be grabbed by those who are prepared there will always be some tourism trends, uh, such as this year people might like the snow, but last year, as you might remember, many people rushed to Sanya to enjoy the warm weather. So the trend comes and goes, but if a city is not well prepared in things like city building, hotel advertisement, etc., then it can never be popular. The second is that in this era of new media, it is very important to use a me- new media so as to let people know about the city, surely, interesting things of the city to the public. After all, advertisement is always a key to the tourism industry.
0: Mm. It's uh, also about advertisement. The ice and snow industry is expected to be one trillion yuan market by 2025. That will be in two years. Do you think a niche market such as skiing and snowboarding can become a major business in China in the future?
5: Well, these uh, niche markets such as skiing and snowboarding, it is pretty hard for them to become a major sport in China, but they can be fast growing sports in the next decade. And uh, The reason that these winter sports are hard to become major sports in China is that most areas of China are actually pretty warm and you don't see much snow in most the days of the year. Even in Beijing, you don't see much snow. As you know, it needs both cold and wet weather to have snow. But Chinese cities are either too warm like Shanghai or too dry like Beijing. Only in a few northern provinces there are a lot of snow during the winter so it is pretty hard for these winter sports to become major sports in the country mm. but on the other hand as new types of sport the winter sports has a future it's uh, it's growth potential and growth speed is very rapid in these years much faster than the traditional sports mm. that people have already been playing such as football uh, table tennis etc mm. so looking into the future these winter sports can have very rapid growth speed and there will also be a lot of business opportunities. Thank you. Always a pleasure talking to you, Jia he. We'll wrap
0: up this edition of Global Business Opportunity in Beijing.